Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. How do you want your children to remember you? You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 131. Today, we're talking about three steps to stop yelling with Anna Seewald. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate calm in their daily lives, and to create more peace and cooperation in their families. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls who challenge me every day to hone my craft. Oh my goodness, to be sure. It has been the start of school, and it's been challenging. I've been using my tools, people. I've been using my tools. But you know what? No one ever said This whole parenting thing is going to be pretty or easy, even if you're using some good skills to like build cooperation, it does get easier. But you know what? There's nothing that's going to erase some of the messiness. Parenting is just messy. Somehow we always get surprised at that. I get surprised. I should be surprised. I mean, it's just messy and life is messy and we can't expect it to be other than that, right? This is just the nature of life is that it's hard and it's challenging and there are moments. Can you tell I've had some moments recently? Can you tell? (laughs) But today we're going to be talking to my good friend, Anna Seawald. She's coming back on the podcast. She is the founder of Authentic Parenting. She's a speaker, author, and podcaster, and a parent educator. And she has a background in psychology and education. She's worked with kids for nearly 
18 years and today she helps parents and she's a dear friend. I love her so much. And this is a really great episode. She gives us three steps to stop yelling. And it's, you know, yelling is a big topic. People write to me about this all the time. And we know in our gut that it's harmful to yell, but it's it's so hard to stop. So dear listener, who I haven't told yet, by the way, that I am so grateful that you have decided to put me in your ears today. I'm so glad we get this chance to connect and welcome back if you're a fan of the podcast and you've been listening. I'm, I'm really glad to connect with you. It makes a huge difference. So welcome. But in, anyway, in this episode, I invite you to come with me and sit down with me as I talk to Anna about how yelling affects children and three steps you really need to stop. And I had a lot of takeaways from talking to Anna about this. It's talking about this idea that that you'll hear about we t- our overall stress level and how that really makes a huge impact on this, right? And and the need to tell our brain that we are we are safe in this moment and seeing how we look at our children, right? And also how yelling affects children. I mean, it's pretty amazing. So you are going to have a lot to listen to, my friend, in this episode. So I know that you are going to love it as and join me at the table as I as I talk to Anna. Quickly before I do, I just want to let you know that the Mindful Parenting Course free training is starting up. And the free training will be at Mindful Parenting Course dot com slash free training and anybody can join we're going to be diving deep you get i'll be there live every day at 2 p.m and they'll be recording if you can't make it and then the mindful parenting course is starting up and we only open the course twice a year right now so the course comes it covers everything you need in the order you need it and you know we give you a whole year of support because we know these changes aren't easy So I would love to have you join me in that Mindful Parenting Tribe. It's an amazing, wonderful, active group of amazing mindful mamas who all, we are just really real and honest about struggling. And yeah, so I hope you'll come and join us, mindfulparentingcourse.com. And now on to this episode. Anna, thank you so much for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast again. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me, Hunter. Yay, I'm excited to be back. (laughs) Yay, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you too. So I wanted to talk to you because I get emails all the time that say like, I get so frustrated with my kids. They don't listen to me unless I yell with them. I don't want to yell. So I thought it would be great to bring you back on and talk to you specifically about yelling and our frustration as moms. So I'm so glad you can come and talk to us about this. Yes, I hope I will provide some, you know, helpful tips and ideas and a peace of mind for the parents who resort to yelling sometimes, you know? Yes, yes. So the first thing I think we should talk about with this is kind of why we should try not to yell. And of course, we're going to talk about this with the caveat that we're all human, and we're all going to yell sometimes, and we're not going to be 
quote unquote, perfect. And that perfect isn't even what we want, right? Because if we were going to be perfectly calm all the time and meet every single one of our kids' needs, then they would have no resilience, right? They would get out into the world and be like, ah, life is hard. I can't deal with anything, right? So we don't want to have our kids get every single one of their needs met all the time. They have to deal with the ups and downs of life, right? So, but with that said, we know we don't want to yell a lot, but why? Can you tell us a little bit more about children and, and you know, the way that we, we develop when we're young and, and why yelling isn't so good? Yes, yes. This is a great topic for me. Uh, let's, let's explore why we yell and how it affects children and then why we should stop yelling. And let me just say that it's not about how to stop yelling even though I have a course that's called How to Stop Yelling. I have a domain name, howtostopyelling.com. But I don't want people to feel pressured that that's the end goal. That's a possibility for some of us. There are Zen-like parents out there. Like I think me? No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the point should be for all of us to yell less and less and less. And that's possible. I see it in my work. I see it in my parenting. We don't have to yell and scream at every little thing. There's a reason we do. It becomes a very, very bad habit. And you know, negative bad habits become ingrained in our mind, in our brain. And it's like, oh, it's so hard to just pluck it and get rid of it. Yeah. Replace it with something positive. It's a lot harder. But let's look at how yelling affects children and their brain and their development. Again, depending on the age of your children, the younger the, the children, the effects are more so, um, I would say, jarring, negative in some ways, but it's not like you will traumatize your children for the rest of their life. Although I, I would say in rare cases, probably if you're yelling, if you're neglectful, if you have abuse, right? A combination of so many factors, then it will have harmful effects. But probably that person is not listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. So people who are more mindful, who are on this path, are listening to this show. And well, children's brain is developing very rapidly. The human brain actually is so fascinating. At birth, the neurons of the brain, 90% of the neurons, those are the cells of the brain, are present. 85% of connection between those neurons get established and wired in by age five, four to five. Mm -hmm. And so by age four or five, again, your child's brain reaches 90% of adult size. So the first three years of a child's life from birth to three is so important in building the foundation, the attachment, the brain, the wiring. And the brain is a use-dependent organ, meaning whatever gets cultivated gets wired. You know, if there are negative experiences that shapes the brain, if they're positive, equally it shapes the brain. So it's a use dependent. If you play classical music for your baby, if you take them to museums and stuff like that, that kind of wiring will take place. 
Likewise, if there is neglect, abuse, you know, some parts of the brain will not be cultivated. The relational aspect, social engagement system will not be as engaged or responsive later in life. And to give you more alarming statistics or, or facts, the first year we know from research now, and this is so fascinating to me as a trauma person who is interested and works with traumatized population, the first year of a child's life is so significant. It determines the trajectory of your rest of your life. So let me give you a little clear explanation. Let's say there are two babies. One baby, the first year of that one baby was very calm, nurturing, attachment was present, the household environment was, you know, somewhat normal, nurturing and things like that. Very adequate and optimal for development that first year. Well, if that child grows up and has a very adverse life, let's say, trauma and other things later in life, he's primed because the first year was so fundamentally good, so to speak. He can be more resilient, recover, bounce back easily, etc. However, the opposite is true. If someone whose first year of life was very tumultuous, abuse, neglect, divorce, and domestic violence, you know, the child's needs were not met, that kind of stuff, like from birth to the first year, through the first year. And let's say after the first year, the child's life turned a really happy, good, nurturing, a good family, good relationships, a normal household, everything just normalized, right? That child is always going to have different type of resiliency, like the bounce back ability is going to be thwarted and hindered. So the first year of life we know is so crucial. It just gives you so much stuff for the rest of your life. This, this is where everybody gets worried, right? Like, oh my God, have I messed up my kid? Like we know that first year of life is so crucial. Mm-hmm. And then we think, oh my gosh. I remember hearing like, the, you know, hearing that the first birth to three years was so crucial. And then thinking like, especially after the first year for me anyway, is that then as they get to be two, like we get triggered and the anger comes up and we get so frustrated and thinking like, oh my God, I'm messing up my kid. You must hear that too. Yes, all the time. But that doesn't mean that this is a life sentence, right? We also know that the brain is neuroplastic. We also know that as adults, we can get into healthy, attached relationships and recover. We know, again, from science, from neuroscience, that we can grow in our strengths and become more resilient and confident and capable later in life. The reason I'm emphasizing this is if there are new mothers out there, if there are pregnant moms out there, to take this information to the heart. And for the rest of us who didn't have this information, let's say, (laughs) it's okay. You know, listen to the rest of this podcast. You know, there there is other stuff that we can do to improve, rewire the brain and, and things like that and have a better, happier, more, more joyful life. Yeah. So yelling in particular, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, we talk about, I talk about how our fight, flight, or freeze, our stress response is triggered, right? By our kids freaking out or whatever it is. And so we 
become reactive. And in some ways that's really kind of not our fault, but with the yelling, we're trying not to yell because we're triggering that same response in our kids, mm -hmm. right? Yes, absolutely. So, and the yelling is that natural, somewhat natural, let's say, response to threat, to danger in the environment. And well, let me back up a little bit. So there is a process called neuroception. This is a term coined by Stephen Porges. It's basically your brain detects, your brain's ability to detect danger and threat in the environment or in a relationship. And our brain is wired to look for the negative because that's how evolutionarily we're wired so that we can protect ourselves. But we live in a modern society. We don't need that negativity bias so much. So let's say it's not only our children that can trigger our fight or flight or stress response, right? When I talk about this, I talk about in, in more general terms. It's your entire stress is responsible for this. And you know very well, we live in a very fast-paced, go, 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 do, 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 high-stress society. In fact, 75% of Americans report being moderately stressed, 25% severely stressed. And we know that Stress can affect your well-being, your health, your relationships. And the funny thing is you get used to the level of stress you have in your life today, and that becomes your normal, your baseline, so to speak. So you're not even aware that you have high stress or moderate stress in your day, in your life. And on top of that, your children trigger you. Everything appears to be a threat or a danger, right? When your general state of stress is heightened, when your stress response is on all the time, well, of course, you yourself are going to view yourself as a source of threat too. You're going to talk negatively towards yourself. You're going to judge yourself. You're going to judge others. You're going to fight with your husband, yell at your children because you have elevated levels of stress. So I talk about this a lot and I want parents to know that yelling is just one component of this. Yelling should be a sign that, hey, little, hey, mama, pay attention to your stress level. What can you do to identify where your stress comes from? What can you do to reduce, eliminate stress from your daily life? And what can you do to manage your daily stress so that you can be less overwhelmed, peaceful, calm, patient, more attentive and loving towards yourself and towards children and others in your life. And yelling will disappear with that. It will be less and less and yet less. Because mm -hmm, when we have the bandwidth to be calm and, and present, you know, that's when, that's when it happens. When we're thinking about the next thing to do, when we're just planning the next dinner, when we're just always one step ahead of where we're going or five steps ahead, and then our child has a problem, we can't be present for it because of that, you know, moderate to high stress level. It's, it's why that self-care is not, not a nice thing to do. It's actually your responsibility. You know, it's actually something that is really crucial is to sort of slow down. And well, we've talked about that a lot in many other episodes, but I, I really appreciate the way, Anna, that you are highlighting 
that mm-hmm. that the stress level and that the reducing and managing your own stress level and, and feeling better in your day-to-day life and day-to-day world is a huge and important component of this. Hunter here. I just want to interrupt this conversation for just a minute to tell you about some exciting things we have coming up. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy, and there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way, and there is. Mindful parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com and you can join us for a free live training coming up soon where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, how your brain undermines your parenting, and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. 
And self-care, I think when a person is stressed out like that, I usually ask parents to, th- to think of this like, do you know when you cross the threshold from being normally stressed to stressed out, right? When do you go to that red zone? When you are in that red zone, when you are highly stressed and your stress response is on, you're not going to think about self-care because you know what I mean? It's counterintuitive and counterproductive to the state that you biologically are. So it's an intentional, mindful choice to just even force it and fake it self-care until you get this sorted out. And then it will feel normal and then you will crave self-care, right? This yeah, whole- yeah. Fake it till you make it, honey. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And then it will be more appropriate. Mm -hmm. But when you are highly alerted or hijacked like that, you don't even think about self-care. It's not important. It's not a priority Mm -hmm. biologically for you in your body. Your body rejects yourself too, Mm -hmm. unintentionally, right? Unconsciously. It's like I myself know when I'm highly stressed, when I'm getting like, when I'm running out of time, when I want to do many things, but everything is collapses and I'm clumsy and I'm rushed and hurried. And I always have this image, the train is running and I'm just running after the train, trying to hop on that train, but the train is just going fast. That's the life. That's the happenings of life. And I'm not going to hop on that train. I can never do that. Right. The train is a lot faster. So when I catch myself in that situation, I'm like, I'm stressed. I need to take a break, eat, drink, you know, do whatever it takes for you to calm down, to regain your equilibrium, to get to the next station and hop on a train, like in a relaxed manner. And the life, life will be the same problems will still be there, but your attitude and how you show up to those problems will be significantly different. And that's the mature way of looking at this, like the, the way of looking at this from a a perspective of, of understanding and, and knowing yourself, because when we're in that stress state, we think, oh, if I just get these five things done, then I'm going to feel better. And the truth is, sorry, guys, I got a cold. So anyway, but the truth is, is exactly what you said, that actually we have to stop doing for a little bit. We have to stop that momentum and deliberately make a choice to slow ourselves down and to slow down the momentum that's pushing us and pushing us and pushing us more and more and more. So that can be so hard those first couple times you do it when your your whole body, your whole being wants to say, just get the things done and, and then you'll feel better. But but. But trust us, coming from me, coming from Anna, we've worked with a lot of people on this. Actually, fake it till you make it. Slow down and practice stopping and then take those next steps. I agree. And, and then you won't yell, right? Everything will not be a threat or a danger to your system, including your children, right? Then you won't yell. Then you, you will have a lot more patience. You can just practice mindfulness later and grow your patience even bigger and bigger. But those are like, I think, fundamental steps towards getting to, you know, yelling less. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we are trying not to yell. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to talking about the kids, Mm -hmm. right? And the children. So when we're yelling, we're triggering their stress response. And can you share with us how that, how that affects kids when they're living with that, that stress response and how it affects our relationship as we're growing up, right? Because we're yelling because 
we are frustrated, we want cooperation. So does this help us in this endeavor or not? Well, yelling, let me give one fact, in fact, before I tell you the effects of yelling. So the way the brain perceives yelling and the way our brain perceives normal speech like such as we're speaking is completely different. If you hear my voice at the moment, it goes through your ear, it travels through different pathways in your brain, reaches to the auditory center in your brain, gets interpreted there. It's a female voice, somewhat pleasant, it has an accent, blah, blah, blah. You interpret, you give meaning to that, and you understand the message. However, if we yell and scream, which is evolutionarily built into our system as a protective mechanism, right, for self-preservation, yelling has a different route. It goes through your ear and it hits the amygdala right away. It's shortcutted. It triggers your fear center right away because again, evolutionarily, you didn't have time to interpret, is that a lion's voice or a tiger? Hmm, what a pleasant lioness voice, blah, blah, blah. You would be killed, eaten by that animal. So this is evolutionarily built in so that you can be alert and jump into protective, self-protective stress mode. That's what yell, but in modern life, we're just yelling at our kids, right? There is no real danger per se. We have financial issues. We have marital issues, stuff like that. Modern day issues that trigger the stress response. So that's what yelling gets, how yelling gets interpreted. So when we yell at our children, even if I yell now, everybody will jump off of their seats. Or if you're driving a car, of course I won't do it. <laughs> you know, you will. <laughs> you will have a reaction to that. So it's pretty powerful how knowing this information, I think, is crucial. That's, that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. how, how it affects children. Well, then imagine how it will affect children. Little children, it affects, it rings their alarm bell all the time in their brain when you're yelling. As they get older, get, they get used to it and accustomed and desensitized. Let's say if you've been yelling for 10 years and your child is now 10, the response is not the same as a 10-year-old or as a two-year-old, right? As a two-year-old, it would have frightened your child. Stress response was more hijacked their brain. But as a 10-year-old, they may tune you out and things like that. But again, they have no control how it affects them, right? Through the ear, it triggers their stress response. It goes to the fear center and your child, stress response is activated. And what do they do? They fight back. They talk back. They don't listen. They don't run away. They withdraw. They, they do all of those things that is related to the stress response. It's not that they are misbehaving, quote unquote, badly. It's a stress behavior, right? We mm -hmm. inadvertently we triggered their resistance, right? It's, yes. it's actually completely counterproductive to what we're wanting. We're trying, we're trying to get cooperation and we're triggering their fight, flight, or freeze. Exactly, exactly. And so when a child is in that place, what happens is we know the prefrontal cortex, our thinking brain, goes offline right away when we are stressed, right? That's that hijacking that happens. And so because it's not important when you are under danger, when your brain thinks you're under danger, 
thinking is not important, right? Uh, analyzing, comparing, reasoning is not important. Run away, protect yourself. That's of a priority. So children who are in this state that do not know how to sit still, are fidgety, hyperactive, they don't pay attention, they have a hard time learning new stuff, they're forgetful, they're disorganized. These are all signs of high levels of stress or chronic stress. At times I see toxic stress in our children's lives. And it's not always the stress comes from you know, parental yelling or ineffective parenting. Children also have a lot of stress in their life. I don't want parents to think that, oh my gosh, my yelling does all of this harms. No, no, no. It's not only you. You know, your child has life, relationships. Your mm -hmm. child goes to school. There's so many things. Sporting activity. Siblings. Uh, <laughs> siblings. I can give you an example. My daughter is 10 and I'm not yelling at her or anything, but she was under a stress past week. Why? Because she's taking the bus to camp and her bus driver, hopefully they're not listening to the podcast, <laughs> and her bus driver was very, I don't know what's the word. I don't even want to characterize, but let's say she was making everything comfortable for herself and less comfortable for us. She would pick us up at the wrong time and make it even earlier. She was changing things and it was illegal what she was doing. So I called the camp and I requested that this is what's happening and my child is not having a good experience. And that's not the issue. Here is the issue. My daughter was complaining nonstop about her bus driver, nonstop, like the whole week. One day on Friday, she complained for two hours from five to seven. Oh my God. <laughs> That's how it, it was affecting her. And yeah. it was affecting me. I'm like, in my mind, would you stop talking about this bus driver? You know, and I called the camp, rearranged a new bus, a new driver. Monday, she was supposed to go on a new bus. But let me tell you, the whole weekend, she complained and wallowed in her stress, in her negativity, regardless of my help and support. On Monday, she goes, oh, the bus driver did it. I said, listen, honey, you have a new bus. Why are you still focused on the negative, on that other bus driver? You have a new reality now. That's what I'm saying. Our children's stress can come from other mm -hmm. sources, not necessarily my poor parenting or my yelling. Mm -hmm. But imagine if I yelled at her and I did something ineffective, it could have made that stress that she was already going through even bigger. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It would add to it. Yes, it would add to it because our children are normal human beings. You know, they experience life as we do. And we know what happens when stress response is activated, right? All sorts of hormones and chemicals are flooding through your bloodstream, like uh, adrenaline, cortisol, the stress hormone. And at times it can take uh, four hours for that cortisol to get out of your system, for you to go to your baseline. So it is highly important for us to be aware of this scientific fact so that we can yeah. not add fire to the oil to the fire. When our child is already hijacked in a stress response mode, we're not punishing or we're not using, you know, traditional parenting tools that will 
keep them in a stress response and your child's, you know, flooded with cortisol and adrenaline, heart is pumping fast and it affects their eating. They become picky eaters. You know, it affects their sleep. We know what stress can do to a human body. Yeah. And, and they can't learn in that moment. So basically in any of these moments where we're trying to teach our child a different behavior or a different way of responding to whatever feelings are driving them, they are unable to learn when they're in this stress response. Oh my gosh, I've got a frog in my throat, guys. But yeah, they're just completely unable to learn. So if we're wanting to teach them, then it's not working. Yes, it will not work. It's, it's just your child's brain is completely turned off. No matter how much you yell and scream and it's not going to help. What will help? We can talk about what will help. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. But I also want to say a few Mm -hmm. things, how, you know, yelling affects our children. It not only affects their brain, their physiology, right? Uh, Their, all these things that we're mentioning, but it also erodes your relationship first and foremost. Yes. Just if you grew up in a household where there was a lot of yelling or abuse or violence or some some kind of turbulence, I would ask you to reflect on this question. How do you want your children to remember you? And mm-hmm. maybe perhaps journal and write about that. And also think about how was it for you growing up? What do you wish your parents did instead of yelling and or ineffective tools that they have used. What do you wish you wished they did instead? Again, we're not blaming our parents or whatever, but think from a child's perspective as a parent today, reflect back and journal about those things. And, you know, what is your goal in life? You know, how do you want to do this parenting? I bet you want to parent differently than your parents, but we know how conditioning, you know, is so strong. It pulls us back into our roots so yes. A relationship is very important. It affects our relationship. Our children don't take us seriously unless we yell. They get accustomed to the yelling. It becomes their norm. And we know that they tune out, they resent, uh, they get angry. They start yelling back at us or at their peers. They think that's how you can get heard right? That's how we modeled how if you want to get hurt or if you have something serious or important to say, you just got to yell. Again, you know, it, it affects fear. It, it affects in, in many different ways. A child feels damaged perhaps because if your child feels loved by you most of the time and all of a sudden they did something and you yelled, you lost your cool, but that's a mixed message, right? Now the child is feeling less loved and they internalize not every child. You know, some children are more sensitive than others. The child will think I'm not welcomed. I am not loved. My mom doesn't love me. I am damaged goods. Negative self-image will develop, limiting beliefs, right? We know as parents, we struggle with so many limiting beliefs from our own childhood and with so many fears that we have. They originate in our childhood, right? So let's give our children a different kind of childhood as much as we can. It's not like we have to do this like perfectly. No, mm-hmm. as much as possible within your capacity, within your story, whatever your story is, 
Yeah, yeah. As we as we wean ourselves kind of from it, as we as we practice to yell less and less, we you realize like you can set boundaries without yelling. You know, it's this is not about having your kids have a boundary-free childhood, not at all. Like obviously you need to get your own needs met, that you have to set boundaries for your kids is really, really important. But we can set boundaries without modeling yelling and, and modeling fear, right? We're basically kind of oh when we're yelling. It's just this this bad habit that we might have where, you know, that our triggered response is 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 causing us to try to to fight back, fight this threat. So we have to start to lower our trigger response, right? So let's transition into some ways that yes. if we're in the habit of yelling, how, how do we stop? Because this was so hard for me. Like I remember, I was like. I was just so triggered and I, I wanted to stop and, and mindfulness really helps enormously, like starting a meditation practice that we do this work in mindful parenting where we practice so that you understand your triggers, you establish your own, you know, short doable meditation practice that really has been proven to reduce your reactivity. That really helps. But you also need to practice in the moment, right? You need tools in the moment. So what are some tools that you suggest and you use to reduce your yelling? Mm-hmm. First and foremost, let's say that you have always the option of just walking away in the moment. If you feel like you are about to yell, you're already yelling, you are flooded with hormones yourself, you are hot, you know, you have an out-of-body experience. Everybody has a different response to stress. Know that it's okay just to go to the next room, to the kitchen, to get a glass of water, to breathe and just go away from that trigger situation. It's totally fine, you know. Walk yeah. away is, is a really good, your child, unless your child is in a dangerous situation, your siblings are strangling one another, unless something is serious, then go ahead, yell and separate and do whatever you have to do. But if it's not a life or death situation, which always is not, just siblings are fighting over a toy or, you know, stuff like that walk away if you feel like you don't have a resource inner ability to handle this in this moment mindfully that's fine go yes. away and and come back that's totally fine but if you feel like <laughs> you can handle it you know then i let me say, let me interject yeah. here for a second anna cuz yes. i just want to share with people that i've definitely done that like when my daughter, I really distinctly remember putting my daughter when she was like 18 months old, you know, she was just freaking out and having a big tantrum and I was getting triggered. And so I really distinctly remembered, you know, putting her in her crib mm-hmm. and walking away from her, walking through my bedroom out on my balcony and like where the trees were and just breathing there and just taking that moment. She was screaming her head off, but I needed that moment. So it's it's a skillful response. Like we don't always want to like abandon our kid, right? Like because we don't want them to feel abandoned. But if it's the choice between, uh, you know, you're strangling your kid. Yes, 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 absolutely. And that's the more skillful response. Yes, because if you haven't practiced mindfulness, if you have a trauma history and things like that, as a new mom, especially when children are crying, it can trigger so much stuff in you then you, you want to kill your child. You want to strangle. You just want to throw your baby. And it's easy. They are light. They, are, they don't talk. You know, it's like you, in that moment, you see that child as a source of threat and danger, and you just want to aggressively treat that danger. So if you are in that state, 
walk away, walk away, walk away. It's best for your child to cry in that moment than for you to do something more dangerous and harmful that, I mean, I know a mom, I had a client who killed her six-month-old daughter. So people, this happens. So walk away. And Um, and count it as a win. Like when you're having that conversation with yourself, say, say to yourself, this is good. I walked away. This was a skillful choice. Yes. But that's not going to be your primary motive operating, right? Yeah. Every time neglecting your kids like that, we recommend other things, which, you know, when our children are young, it's a lot harder, I think, emotionally when they're older. Like yesterday, my daughter was, quote unquote, not listening to me. And of course, I'm triggered, I'm burning. I just want to say, you know, yell and, and say my message in a loud voice. But I'm standing there and I'm like, Ella, can you hand that to me, sweetheart? Ella, please give that to me. And it took me so much effort. And I'm like, God damn it, this is not working. You know, like you want to threaten in that moment. But I remained with it. It took a lot of effort, internal effort. I didn't threaten. I didn't use words or like, I'm going to take this away. I'm going to do this. It took a lot of effort. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. But it was a lot harder when she was like a baby. And one day my daughter cried for nine hours straight. I was oh my God. pulling my hair. I was beating myself up nine hours straight. I counted. <sighs> and I was so helpless as a new mom. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, is this motherhood? You know, but... It, differ, it differs from stage to stage with your children's ages and, and, and all of that. So walk away. That's the first thing. In, mm-hmm. the, in the moment, I think what's important in the moment is, again, this is what I would say, to tell yourself that this is not an emergency. Anything you face in your day with your si- children, with your siblings, I mean, as a mom, you can handle this. Listen, mm. we, we can all handle, not necessarily always the right way or gracefully, but there is nothing we cannot handle, right? Every challenge that comes our way, we can handle. So I want parents to know to placate themselves in that moment with the first step is give yourself compassion a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can put your hand on your heart, uh, if that helps you and say, you know, this is not an emergency and maybe use a descriptive sentence to describe what you're seeing mm-hmm. Two siblings fighting in the living room over an iPad. So that when you say those words, uh, you're engaging your prefrontal cortex, which in that moment of stress goes offline. So when you remind yourself that this is not an emergency stress response calm down is that my just two kids fighting over an ipad i got this you are comforting yourself already you are you know a few steps uh, below the stress level now you know the stress is a little behind you yeah yeah you're getting that bit of separation so you're describing acknowledging the situation and you can even do that out loud like say what you see out loud you know uh-huh. the I see you guys fighting over an iPad. I'm feeling really frustrated. Like just kind of saying some of those things out loud. Wow. It provides so much relief just to state the facts of what is happening. And it gives you that sense of remove. And so, and when you're saying it out loud, you're modeling 
skillful acknowledgement of a situation and skillful communication for your kids. Then you're modeling how to take care of some of these difficult things for your kids out loud, which is good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also you can even state something with older kids. Like my kid is 10. I would say, Ella, what you're doing right now, it really, it, it triggers something in me. I, I don't want to feel this way, but I am about to lose my cool. This is not how I want to feel. And I don't want to lose my cool and do something or say something to you. You know, Mm -hmm. you may even say that to your older kid, not to your three-year-old, of course, but with your older kid, sometimes older kids, like my daughter can straight look into your eyes and do the thing anyway. The other day we were walking from a grocery store and we have a new car and we pledged as a family, but I never eat in the car. My daughter eats in the car, you know, as a kid, you know, there's snacks and things like that. Mm. With the new car, we said no eating in the car. Well, who is the first one to break that rule? We're in the grocery store. Mommy, can we get chips, like singles, chips in a single pack for camp? I said, sure. So we got some chips and well, we're getting into the car. I see she's holding one in her hands. I said, there is no eating in the car, sweetheart. Remember, you were the first one to, you know, say this rule. She says, I'm not going to eat it in the car. I said, but you are entering into the car and the temptation is huge, right? (laughs) If it's in your hands, I said, you're going to obviously want to eat it. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm just going to hold it. I said, Ella, give the chips to me. And I'm looking at her eyes directly. She's looking at me, Hunter, and she just poked the back open the back, right? Like by looking and just, oh, mom, look what happened. It was an accident. (laughs) In that that moment, (laughs) when they do something naughty and they look in your eyes, in that moment, I'm like, you know, like, I want to kill this kid right now. (laughs) You know, how dare you do that? But of course I didn't. I said, please hand me the bag of chips. There is no eating in the car. I said, I'm going to hold it. When we get home into the elevator, I'm going to give it to you. She just made this sour face and she says, here. So I took it and that's it. That was the end of it. But you know, they just look into your eyes and "Ah, do the thing anyway. (laughs) Oh man, I so relate, Anna. I so relate. Oh my gosh. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. 
Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So some of the tools were just to go back over, we're walking away in the moment. Tell yourself this is not an emergency. I love that because just getting that sense of remove, give yourself compassion. I mean, the hand on the heart, the touch really does help. And you know, like this is hard right now. You might say to yourself, but this is not an emergency, right? Yes. And then describing the situation and even out loud. Love. Yes. Yes. That, that helps. That engages your prefrontal cortex. And so now, so to speak, let's say there's a fire you think there is a fire, you grab all your extinguisher and all the gear to come into extinguishing the fire, you arrive and there is no fire. What are you going to do? Put the extinguisher away, right? Have a different mm-hmm. approach. Mm-hmm. It's just a smoke, let's say. So that's what I want people to have that kind of approach. In that moment, say yourself, this is not an emergency. It's just siblings fighting. You know, you, then you can breathe. It doesn't take much time. I mean, honestly, it takes a few seconds. You can do a little self-talk right in your mind, whatever tools you want to use in that moment. Or you can say, I forgot what I was going to say. (laughs) You're saying it doesn't take a lot of time. You can do some self-talk. Yes. This steps that we're describing doesn't take a lot of time. It will take the same amount of time as you were to yell and oh, yeah. use an effective way, it's the same amount of time that you are going to use to handle the situation. So even though the description sounds like step-by-step, step, a long process, but if I were to do this in the first a few times, because it's a little unknown, you know, it takes a little bit of mindful effort, but then it becomes second nature. You know, you don't think about it. I'm doing step one, I'm doing step two. It's sort of, you do it automatically. Yeah. And I would recommend like, you know, you can write down those steps and kind of put them up in the, you know, on a post-it in your kitchen cabinet or whatever. I mean, for me, on a, my, like, I inherited my father's temper and he had such a rage, you know, that I really got scared a lot when I was a kid, when he would be really angry at me. And I felt that rage really coming out. And, and for me, sometimes I could feel that anger and it, would, it was a little bit easier, but sometimes it was like a fiery demon had come out in me. And for me, I had to not only just like walk away, some of the things I did, like I would come walk out of my house, I would literally put my hands on this big boulder outside my house. So I would like ground myself literally and I would breathe and then sometimes cry because that crying would just be that release, right? That I needed of that, that tension. Sometimes you can like in the midst of the chaos, there's some yoga moves like you can try child's pose or forward fold. These are things that kind of fold you down, turn you inward, just give you a moment to let out like a big loud sigh out of your mouth, which, you know, studies have shown changes that brain chemistry releases a lot of those hormones. So using those, those physical tools of like literally grounding yourself, folding yourself over, letting out big sighs, like try five or six big loud dramatic sighs just to release 
those are just kind of physiological hacks that can help bring your body kind of slow down that like runaway train of the stress response and kind of bring you into that fight into that rest and relax response which is what you're going to need to be able to say okay and then deal with the situation more thoughtfully mhm basically to summarize and to put a label on what you just said is we want to feel safe in that moment whatever mm. is going to make you feel safe you're going to engage your safe safeness system because when you are in that hyper aroused stressed out mode when your stress response is on you're experiencing threat we have two systems the threat system and a safety system these two cannot coexist at the same time together you cannot feel safe and threat at the same time so know that when you are in that mode you are experiencing threat what can make you feel safe either like you describe you put your hand on something you grab something to feel grounded or your feet give yourself a hug in that moment or put your hands on your arms and press a little bit so you feel like you have a body a container because when you are hijacked like that oftentimes biologically it feels like an out of body experience you want to come back to your body come back to your body so that you will be less reactive put your hand on your heart again release oxytocin and start breathing the first step for me is usually calming your body telling your body that you are safe with either breathing combination of breathing touch body movement holding something pushing the wall or things of that nature whatever is in your environment in that moment the first step is to tell your body biologically that i am safe and then say those words to yourself even if need be you can say i am safe there is no danger it's not an emergency whatever works for you i think my listeners told me that there is not this is not an emergency worked for them really well it calms you down right away sort of and you're like okay you know i can handle this that's the first step second step for me i would say is that language aspect right i'm helping my child this is not an emergency that's the second step the first is the body the safety the third step would be is to now direct your attention to your child now that you did this preliminary things with yourself you're a lot calmer and less less reactive much more less now that you can look at your child and dish out a little compassion or empathy for your child or your children or listen to them or you know, I, I want to help my child. They seem like they're dysregulated, whatever the situation is. And again, I would say even engage your senses a little bit. Try to identify like a sounds in the environment or in that moment you can look at your own clothing, say I'm wearing stripes or look at your children. They're wearing red and blue engage your senses either auditory is good or visual or again it sort of brings you to the here and now right feel yeah, your exactly. feel your feel your feet on the ground somehow try to come to the present moment mm -hmm. uh, and so that you can go and address the issue yeah yeah come to come to your senses and out of the story in your head which is freak out and panic because something is happening Mm -hmm. Oh my God, Anna, this is so wonderful. So you have shared so much wisdom with this. I love this. Uh, just learning about the brain, those crucial first years, 
the neuroplasticity, and just understanding about our own bodies and our own stress response can gives us so many more tools to to work with and to to create those positive relationships. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Can I just say one last thing to leave our listeners with? And that would, be, that would be the end of the discussion. So when you catch yourself yelling, I, I want you to picture a forest in your mind. Recall like this image of a forest and try to see there's two paths. One path is the left path and the right path. The right path is the one that you is familiar, you walk down that path and it's a worn down path. And the other one is, you know, it has weeds and bushes. It doesn't even look like a path because it's not worn down. Imagine this image. This is your brain. You're cultivating a new pathway. The right path of this forest is the yelling path, is your usual conditioning. You go down this path all the time. But if you want to choose a different path, it has to be intentional. You stop at the fork of the two paths, visualize this, and say, I'm going down the left path. And the more you go down the left path, practice daily, weekly, that path eventually will be worn down just like the old path. And what will happen to the old path? Weeds will grow and it will be like a bushy, unknown territory because you're not going down that path, right? So this is what I imagine creating a new pathway, creating a new habit is. So this visual image, maybe you can, you know, do this visualization as a practice, close your eyes and intentionally choose that path and hopefully it will help. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is, that's literally what's happening in the brain. We're kind of bushwhacking a new path. So it, it's uncomfortable and it's hard. So Anna, do you never yell now? Are you like a perfect never yeller? I have to be honest. I was never a yeller. That was not my default setting. So to speak, my factory setting was not a yeller. I can guilt my child. I can use psychological tools to make her (laughs) feel bad and and things like that. But yelling was not in my toolbox. My parents, I don't think my parents yelled. So that wasn't the case for me. Well, I raised my voice. I mean, of course, sure. It's not like, but I'm not one of those parents who is yelling every day, a few times a day. That's not my default. I'm not going to lie. But I work hard There's a difference, right, between yelling and screaming and raising your voice. Sometimes you need to raise your voice to make a point. (laughs) So I think there is, yeah, I've definitely raised my voice and screamed at times, but it's not my go-to method, so to speak. Well, as uh, I was raised in a yelling household and yelling was sort of a default for me. And I can just attest to you, dear listener, that yes, like you can reduce it enormously, you know, so that your relationship with your child is built on, you know, they want to cooperate with you. You're not using that fear as much. And as it really can be a positive snowball effect, as you choose that less worn path, it becomes easier and easier over time. And because as you start to use maybe, you know, skillful communication and things like that, things can snowball in an easier and easier way. But if you choose, continue to practice like the old school techniques of yelling and using fear and punishment, it actually snowballs in a more difficult, it gets harder and harder way where you have to kind of escalate things. But I can tell you that you can really reduce that yelling. I have for sure. But, you know, I still yell sometimes and it doesn't mean we don't have 
wonderful relationships now. Sometimes when I yell, I yell, I'm so frustrated. I need a break. <laughs> and that's like, I see that as perfectly fine and totally skillful. But sometimes I just am like, ah. So really, I want you, listener, to aim for aim for good enough, right? We don't want to aim for perfect. You know, if we are all the time perfect, meeting every single one of our child's needs and, you know, never are human and authentic, all those like little challenges they have give children a chance to build resiliency. So you don't have to be perfect. Just be you and just be that, you know, the real you, the untriggered you. Aim for that. And if you put this pressure on yourself that I'm not going to yell, I'm, I'm going to do everything not to yell, I'm, commit- I'm committing myself to not yelling for 30 days, let me tell you, dear listener, that's not a good reason. That's You're bound to fail, and that's a pressure in and of itself that's going to add to your yelling. And if you don't yell, you may develop a heart disease or something like that. So sometimes you need that energy to, to come out. That stress energy has to get out of your system. So don't commit to yourself in those kind of things that I'm not going to yell for a whole year. You know what I mean? The knowledge information I think is significant, the neuroscience behind this stuff reduce the stress in your life and practice skillful communication and mindfulness. Also, and this is the last thing I swear, (laughs) celebrate your small wins. Yes, 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 yes. Swim in it. Allow yourself to soak up. Let's say I didn't yell yesterday. Don't let that just slip away. No, no, no magnify that, be in it and say, oh my gosh, wow, I did it. it. It felt so good. Just try to evoke feelings, how it feels, that little win, you know, that will give you a dopamine hit and encourage you, wire your brain to seek that kind of reaction again and again and again, that kind of response. So help your brain and you sort of educate your brain that this wins, this is what I'm looking for, brain. Soak up your little wins, celebrate them, you know, pat yourself, give yourself high five in the mirror, hug yourself, enjoy that little moment. That enjoyment has to, you know, last a little bit. Otherwise, you're not cultivating the, the very important skill. Yes. Oh, thank you, Anna. What a perfect way to end this conversation. I really appreciate that so much. So, Anna Seawald, where can people find out more about you and your wonderful podcast? Well, people can go to AuthenticParenting.com. That's my online home and listen to Authentic Parenting Podcast, wherever they listen to podcasts. And I want to say some of my listeners are your listeners. We have a common mutual listenership and I want to extend you know, gratitude and hugs to all of you. You know who you are. Thank you for being a listener to Mindful Mama Podcast and Authentic Parenting Podcast. You know, we love you. Yes, we do. I did that. Anna, thank you so much. Your voice, I mean, authentic is the most perfect word for it because your voice is so authentic and so real. And I love how the clarity and the wisdom you bring to things and how you bring it all down to earth and you you make it real for us and doable. And, and that makes a huge, huge difference for myself. I have learned from your wisdom in the past and so many others. You're really bringing so many great things to the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mama podcast. I know that this is one you are going to listen to 
again and again because there's so much good information in here about how to stop yelling. I hope that you will be taking steps to reduce your stress response, reduce the overall stress in your life, knowing that it's so important, right? We don't get this time back. There are no doers. So this is really important. These relationships last a lifetime and, and we can make a huge impact on them just, just by choosing to change our intentions and to change our priorities a little bit. It can be really powerful. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out and contact me. I've been sharing a lot of my life on Instagram lately. You get the kind of behind the scenes of Mindful Mama Mentor on Instagram. And that's at Mindful Mama Mentor. You can find me. And I hope that you will join us, of course, on the free training that is coming up at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. It's an exciting time for us. And we have also some spots and retreats and things that are open. I'm coming out to California. I got a couple spots left. So maybe you'll join me. But definitely, wherever you are in the world, I want to reach out. I want to talk. I want to connect at that Mindful Parenting free training. It's open to everyone. It's open to your partner. They can come on and get learn some things and kind of really check in with in some in a really deep level on their parenting. So your friends, all that stuff. So invite them to it and I will see you there at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. So wishing you a beautiful week, my friend. I, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please share it around. And I'm wishing you, you know, less stress, more love, more joy, more ease. You know, yeah, we could all use that, right? Let's do it. We can take steps in that direction. We can yeah, support each other. all that, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy, and there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way, and there is. Mindful parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful Parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com and you can join us for a free live training coming up soon where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, how your brain undermines your parenting, and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down, 
Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.